to be here tonight, and I'm thankful for the opportunity to preach, and just thankful for the opportunity to stand in the pulpit any time, and let's pray, and I will get started. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you, Lord, for how good you've been to us. We thank you for loving us. We thank you for saving our souls, Lord. And just pray tonight that it wouldn't be the words I say, Lord, but well, what you say, Lord, that you speak through me, Lord, that you use me as a, your vessel tonight, as your servant, and we'll give you all the praise and all the honor. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have your Bibles tonight, which I, I'm sure you do, but go to the book of 2 Timothy chapter 1, 2 Timothy chapter 1, and that's where we're going to start at here in just a little bit. Uh, but I want to kind of lay a little groundwork before, before, before I get there. Uh, I, I, I want to give you the, I want to give you my testimony. It's, it's been on my heart, and, uh, and, and it goes right along with the, the sermon tonight. But, uh, you know, I, I grew up in a non-Christian home. I, I grew up in a place uh, where we never sang Amazing Grace. I grew up in a place where we never sang Oh, How I Love Jesus. Uh, I, I never heard those songs. I never had that, that family prayer time or that, that family devotion. And I, only, I don't say that for pity, but I say that to say this. If you have that, be thankful for it. Be, be thankful for it. And uh, uh, my mother uh, passed away on September 10th, 1996. I was 12 years old. And the next two years of my life, as you can imagine, I was angry. I was wondering, like, through life, wondering me and my dad didn't have the best relationship, and it was just me and him, and my mother had passed away, and I, in those next two years, I'm kind of flip-flopping through life, angry, angry at God, angry at all these different things, and, and uh, you know, but in late June of 1998, uh, I was hanging out at one of my friend's house. We, I'm sure we were doing something we shouldn't have been doing, because that's all we ever did. And, uh, and uh, the, the local youth pastor from the local Baptist church just happened to show up. Now, I say just happened. We all know it was God's will. But, but, but he showed up, and he was there, and he, he began to talk to my friend, whom he knew who, how bad had, he hasn't been at the youth department. I had no idea this guy went to church. I mean, the things we did together, there's no way I, this guy went to church. But the youth pastor knew him, and he come to see him. And, of course, the, my, the, the, my friend's like, you know, I, I, you know, I want nothing to do with it. He invited him to summer camp, and my friend's like, I, I don't want to go to no summer camp, you know, none of that. Well, so you know what happened next. He begins to talk to me. You know, that, that's what a preacher does. He talks to you, and then he says, okay, I'll talk to him. So he asks me my name, and he begins to tell me about summer camp. And you'll never guess, he told me about all the fun I was going to have at summer camp. He told me about playing basketball. He told me about uh, playing games and, and going swimming and all the good fun things we were going to do at summer camp. But uh, you'll never guess what he forgot to tell me. <laughs> he forgot to tell me we were going to have preaching every morning and every night for a whole week. <laughs> and back then it was all the way, Monday through Friday, amen. <laughs> it wasn't just three or four days. And I, and I, and he, but he didn't tell me that. So I'm thinking, man, I'm signing up for all this fun and games. We're going to go out in the woods and we're going to do all this stuff. It's going to be great. Well, you know, he goes, so, so that was on Saturday. The next Sunday, he picks me up for church. I'd never been to church in my life. We go to church. I'm there on Sunday morning. He picks me up again on Sunday night. And then we, so then we get to Monday, which is the big day, June the 29th, 1998. We're heading to summer camp. You know, we, we out here, we was there in Waco, Texas. We, we came up here to Lindale, up here to this camp out here in, in Lindale. That's where we went to camp. And, you know, the first couple nights, the first Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday, I'm wondering, what have I got myself into? I mean, these people are nuts. They're fanatical. Like, there's been preaching like four times a day. 
Like, what's going on? I was having a good time with all the activities and the swimming, and, and we did play basketball, and we did do all these things, but we had all this preaching, and I was under conviction. So that, that, that night, that Wednesday night, the third night, Wednesday, July 1st, 1998, that preacher got up there, and he preached from Luke 16. And I remember it. He, he, he hung me out over hell, and, and he told me if I, if, I, if I did accept Christ, I was going to die, and I was going to spend eternity in a place called hell. And he, he, he preached, and he, he, he preached, and I, I couldn't wait. I, I had to get to the altar. I, I got down there, and the, the youth pastor began to speak to me, and he led me to the Lord, and I got saved that night. I got saved that night, July the 1st, 1998. And I didn't get saved on that Sunday, that Monday, or that Tuesday, but bless God, that Wednesday night, I had enough. I gave in. I let my hands off. I came to the Lord, and I'm so thankful for, for that night, and the, the Holy Ghost conviction that I felt, and you know, so after that, I attended Christian school at that church for my freshman year of high school. And that leads me to January of 2000. January 2000, I was in my second semester of 10th grade at the same school. And, I, of course, I had behavioral problems. I, I hadn't been growing as a Christian as I should have been. And I got in a fight, and I got expelled. I got expelled. And, and, and so, so, so then what happened, the same youth pastor that led me to the Lord that was instrumental in getting me in church, he, he, he invites me to go out to eat. Now, everybody knew if the youth pastor invited you to go out to eat, he wanted to talk about something. So they said, oh, boy, you done did it now. You're going to lunch with the youth pastor. Sure enough, we went to Arby's, amen. We went to Arby's. I remember it like it was yesterday. We went to Arby's, and he began to tell me, he began to tell me, uh, you know, that I needed help, which I knew I needed help. I knew that there was a lot of things I didn't really care much about. And uh, he had a phone number to a place that would change my life. He had a phone number to a place that would change my life. Calvary Boys Ranch in Eufaula, Oklahoma. The director there was uh, Dr. Jerry McDonald. And I headed to the ranch on February 5th, 2000. There I was taught the word and how to live for God like I was never taught before that. I was in the program for two and a half years. Yes, there were bumps in the road. I would say there was more like potholes on the road sometimes as I began to learn these things. But you know what? Those people loved me. They taught me. They rebuked me. They reproved me. They influenced me for right. I graduated high school there at the ranch May, May of 2002. God called me to preach in June of 2002. Then in August of 2004, I came back to the ranch to work in full-time Christian service. I spent 12 years there on staff seeing God use me in ways I never thought was possible. And I'm thankful for each and every one of them that had an impact on my life. Now, with that as the backdrop, I want you to look at 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1, it says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, according to the purpose of life, which is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my dearly beloved son, Grace, mercy, and peace from God, the Father, in Christ Jesus our Lord. Verse 3, I thank God, whom I serve, uh, from my forefathers with pure conscience, with, with, that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see thee, uh, to, to see thee uh, being mindful of thy tears, that I may be filled with joy. Verse 5 will be our text tonight. It says this. It says, when I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith, that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois, and in thy mother Eunice, 
and I am persuaded that it's in thee also. And I, I want to preach on, on this thought tonight. What, what dwelt in them is in thee also. What dwelt in them is in thee also. You say, I, you say I, I, I'm thankful for the spiritual leaders that I've had throughout my life. Each one in their own way has shown me how to get to the Lord. They've shown me their unfeigned faith, which unfeigned means real. It means sincere. It means not counterfeit. I'm so thankful that I've seen real faith. I've seen men that really believed what they stood for. And I'm so thankful for that. Uh, they've taught me how to live for God. They've taught me how to serve God. They've taught me that doctrine is important. Yeah, amen. They have taught me about being a father. They have helped me when I didn't deserve it. When it would have been better off just to leave me alone. But they still helped me. And I have watched them finish their course with joy. Some of them are in heaven today. They finished their course with joy. To sum it up, they've taught me how to live. And they've taught me how to finish my course. But, but my, my thing for us today is, there, it's found there in verse number 5, that unfeigned faith, that real faith, that not hypocritical faith. But it says that it dwelt. It dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois. It dwelt. That word dwelt means to inhabit. It means to abide in. It dwelt in them. But look at the end of the verse there. It says, and I am persuaded that in thee also. So you know what? These great men of God that I look up to that I'm so thankful rescued me. I'm so thankful got me to where I am. And they're passing off the seed. And, and there are many of them are in glory today. You know what? Uh, but you know what? The same God that dwelt in them, he could dwell in me also. He could dwell in me also. Number one. Number one, the same Jesus that dwelt in them dwells in us. The same Jesus that, 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 they, that lived in their hearts lives in our hearts. Uh, Acts chapter 1, uh, I'm going to use a lot of scripture. You can turn to it if you can. But, but, but Acts chapter 1, verse number 10, it says this. It says, and while they looked steadfastly toward heaven. And as he went up, uh, behold, two men stood by him in white apparel. Which also said, ye men of Galilee, why stand ye, why stand ye up into heaven? And it says, this same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, uh, shall, shall, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. This same Jesus. Uh, that word same, it means not different. Imagine that. <laughs> that word, see, some, see two, two things that are different, they can't be the same. So, so we serve one, we have one God. His name ain't Allah. His name ain't Confucius. His name ain't Muhammad. His name is the Lord Jesus Christ. We serve one God. That's found there in Psalms 83, 18, if, if you need a reference. He, him alone. Him alone is Jehovah God. Uh, he, him alone. You know, the same God that created everything. The same God that, 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 that helped Noah to build an ark. And, and, and Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. The same God that parted the Red Sea. The same God that was the God of Elijah. The same God that was the God of Elisha. The same God that led Nehemiah to build the wall. The same God that, that, that of Luke. The same God that helped the Apostle Paul when he was in prison. I'm talking about the same God. We got the same God today. The same God, Hebrews 13.8 says, Jesus Christ the same yesterday, 
today and forever. He's the, the same God. Hey, and I'm not looking for another. I'm not even wanting another. And by the way, there ain't another. Ain't is a good word tonight. Ain't, because I'm a little redneck like this guy here. So that worked out perfectly, amen. But we see, we see, I'm not looking for another. There ain't another. See, in him, in Christ, there is no variableness. There's no variableness. James, you know where we're going probably. James 1.17, it says this, says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. And coming down from the Father of light, with whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. See, variableness means to change. It means to alter. It means to be unsteady. Guess what? I got a God <laughs> that's firm. He's steadied. He's held this whole world into place. He's got it under control. So why should I fret about the election? Why should I fret about what's going on in life when I got a God that's in control? I got a God that hung this universe, that holds it in his hand, and he knows what's going on. And he not only knows that, but he knows all about me. And he's got it under control. We see we still serve a God that can still save sinners. Romans 5, 8, but God commended his love toward us. In that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I like that part there, while we were yet sinners. While we had our backs turned on him, he still loved us. He still died for us. And you can't explain that. I, I, I can read all the books I want to read and get as educated as I want to be, but I'm never going to be able to explain that. How a God, a holy God could love us and care about us. I like Isaiah 53, verse 3. It says this, as he is despised, speaking of Jesus, and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he had borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But look at that next verse. But he was wounded for, it's personal, for our transgressions. Hey, he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Verse 6, all we like sheep have gone astray. He had turned everyone to his own way, but the Lord had laid on him, Christ, the iniquity of us all. Thank God for that. Thank God. I, there's no way we could get to heaven on our own. There's no way that we could, we could do it without Christ. Thank God he still saves sinners. But I tell you this, thank God he still changes lives. Not only does he save us, but he makes a difference. He makes a change. Miss Kelly sung that song a few weeks ago. And if I wasn't such a fat guy, I probably would have ran around the building. That song said, everything he touched, he changed. You know, boy, I tell you, everything, I know that day when he touched me, it may not look like it, but he began to change me. He began to work in my life. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. I think I said it before, but I used to picture that verse like we get saved and God takes us into the body shop and they get their little rubber mallet out and their, their little fancy suction cup and they suck the dents out and they replace all the parts. Oh, no, our God's much better than that. Our God made us a brand new car. He made us a brand new person. He made us a brand new creation. You know, I thought about this. We, we became a new creature, not a refurbished creature. 
You ever, you ever been online and tried to buy some electronic device that's been refurbished? How many of y'all been there? A phone or a laptop or oh, Apple Watch, whatever, or some ear pods, and it says refurbished, and it's like $50 cheaper than what it ought to be, and you're like, I got a deal. Or even, a, I've known people that got a refurbished TV. They thought they had a deal, but what happened? Every time it was a piece of junk. Why? Because it's been refurbished. I mean, that, that, that whole word, just if you read that somewhere, don't, don't buy it. Bad idea, don't buy it. But God, he didn't refurbish me. He made me new. He made me a new creature in Christ. Look at that. Look at that. I'll tell you this, though. A saved person now has new desires. We now begin to have new desires. Now, that doesn't mean that we always act on those new desires, but we have them. We now have desires that we didn't have. Proverbs 18 says, through desire a man. Having separated himself, seeketh and intermeddleth with all wisdom. Through desire, like when I got saved, those desires for those old things and that old life and those old habits, some of them stuck around for a while, but the point is I had a desire to get away from it. I was ready to get away from it. I didn't want no more of it. Look, at, I, I like this one over here, 2 Corinthians. How am I doing? Oh, I'm doing good on time. I feel like I'm in a basketball game. I'm on the clock, amen. But uh, but in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, 2 Corinthians chapter number 3, verse 17, it says, 2 Corinthians 3, 17, it says, Now the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And I'll just say this here, that word liberty means liberty to do the will of God. It's not, the, I'm not part of the excessive liberty crowd. But verse 18, it says, But we all, with open face, beholding, as, a as in a glass, the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. So, but we all, with open face, beholding, beholding as in a glass. Right here, this Word of God, it'll change you. It'll change you. You know, and I like that. I think about that. From glory to glory, God is changing me. God is changing you if we'll get our hands off. We'll let him work. Let him take the things that shouldn't be in our, life, in our lives and get them out. He'll change us. You know, I now have a desire to go to church. When, like I said, back then in that camp, man, I was thinking, man, these people are crazy. You know, I now have a desire to, to read the Bible. I now have a desire to do things Christians do, go places and fellowship with other Christians. I now have a desire uh, to do the will of God for my life. And that, that's what he'll put in you. He'll give you those desires. Thank God that, that what dwelt in them is in thee also. And the same Jesus that dwelt in them is in us also. That's only number one. Amen. Everybody still awake? Everybody still good? Number two, the same Bible that guided them will guide us. Thank God we have the word of God. You know where we're going, 2 Timothy chapter 3. I love verse number 16. I, I like just this little verse. It clears a whole bunch of stuff up, I think. But it says there, it says all Scripture, number one, that means the Old Testament and the New Testament. It clears that up. All Scripture is given by inspiration, which means God breathed. God breathed. It came from God. 
by inspiration of God and it's profitable, it's to our advantage. It'll help us if we'll get in it. But then he goes on, he says, profitable for doctrine. That's what is right. For reproof, that's what is not right. For correction, thank God, there's a way to get right. And for instruction, how to stay right. That's what this book will do for us. That's what the Word of God will do for us. It's, it, you know, the Word of God, it was written. Think about it. It was written over a period of about 1,500 years by 43 to 44 authors, depending on who you think wrote Hebrews, and we're not going to discuss that tonight. But, but, but it's written over a period of 1,500 years by 43 to 44 different human authors. Of course, it was penned by God. But, but there's not one contradiction. Who could do that but God? I mean, I could put me, Brother Hicks, Brother Smith, some pretty smart people from my vantage point, Brother Gilreath, into a room, and I promise you, we couldn't write two chapters before we disagreed on something. Before We probably wouldn't get two verses into it before we disagreed on something. But somehow, we got 66 books written over a period of 1,500 years by 44 people that most of them didn't know each other, and yet there's not one contradiction. That can only be from God. That can only be God breathed. Thank God for the book. Thank God we got the book tonight, amen. Some of us got 15 copies, amen. Glory. Psalms chapter 12, verse 6, it says this. It says, the words of the Lord are pure words. As silver china furnace of earth purified seven times. Huh, yeah, what, what, the King James Version is what? It's the seventh translation in English. Purified seven times. Seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. This book is preserved. It's the word of God. That's why you can, I, I read other books and I read it one time. And I'm like, that was a good book. I, I read the bi biographies and different things. I'm like, that was a good book. But I can't sit down and read it a second time. Why? Because I already know all about it. But this book, you can read the same chapter every day. God will give you something else. He'll give you a little more and a little more. Why? Because it's alive. It's God-breathed. It's profitable. It's a living book. You know what it'll do? It'll clean up your life. This book clean up my life. Psalms 119.9 says, Wherewithal so a young man cleans his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word. It'll clean you up. It'll make you right again. It'll put you back on the right path. Hey, I've seen it in my life. I've seen it in others' life. This book will work miracles. Amen. It'll light our path. Psalms 119, 105. Psalms 119, 105 says, uh, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Hold on. I think that's right, but let me make sure it says, I, see, I don't want to mess it up. Amen. Don't want the devil to get a victory. Amen. It says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I thought about that. Uh, you don't want to wander in the wilderness and just go in circles, do you? I mean, I thought about the children of Israel wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. I'm thinking, what a waste of time. What could they have just accomplished if they had just believed God? And uh, we see it. So, so we have this light. We have a light. Now, I, I grew up on a ranch, amen. And we get out there in the middle of the, the, the woods. There ain't no street lights, amen. Ain't no pavement, but there's a lot of other creatures and things out there. But I wouldn't want to go out in those woods without a flashlight. I wouldn't want to go running out there. I'd trip over something, a lot of dead limbs and things. I'd get myself hurt. 
Neither do I want to go through this cold, dark world without this light. See, a flashlight, it doesn't show you what? More than a few steps in front of you. It doesn't show you, let's just some redneck with this big old huge, you know, light to kill deer or something illegally. But, but normally a flashlight just shows you a few steps. But that's good. As long as you can see a few steps, what? You won't fall, will you? You won't fall. But, what, but, but, so, but so it doesn't show you everything. Hey, God, he doesn't show you everything at once. Thank God he doesn't. If he just showed me, not that I'm anything special, but if he just showed me that I'd still be serving God and live for God today, you know, 20 something years ago, 30 years ago, it'd probably scared me to death. So he doesn't show you everything, but you know what you do? If you follow that path, if you do what he told you to do today, and, and you do what he tells you to do tomorrow, and you constantly talk with him, you constantly have prayer time with him, you constantly have devotions with him, and you constantly walk with him, he's gonna lead you. And it leads you, and it leads you, and he's going to take you to that place he wants you to go. He's going to take you to that, that, that will. The, we know that the will of God is in his word. Thank God he didn't hide it, because I'm not smart enough to find it. It's in his word. It's in his word. Thank God for that. Thank God. Amen. Look at that. We made it to number three. Everybody's still alive. What dwelt in them is in thee also. The same Jesus, the same Bible. Let's say number three, the same investment. The same investment that they put in us, and I mean these, these spiritual leaders, these spiritual mentors in our lives, we all have them. But that same investment that they put into us, we can give to somebody else. Yeah, we, we can give that same investment, that same effort to help somebody else. I think about Jude, the book of Jude, chapter 1. <laughs> There's only one chapter, amen. Verse 22, it says... It says, and some have compassion, making a difference. Then he goes on, he says, and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. You know, that same investment, I, it's, not, it's, it's okay. Sometimes I, I go down this road and I, and, and I begin to think of where God brought me from. As I gave you tonight, I, where God brought me from. Yeah, and I, and I, like, I like this over here, Psalms 40. I told you we're going to use a lot of scripture. Psalm chapter 40, verse 1, it says this, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined unto me and heard my cry. Now, I'll be honest. As a young Christian, I really like verse 2 and 3. But the older I get, the more I realize the significance of verse 1. I mean, it says, he inclined unto me and heard my cry. Think about that. Like, holy, that word inclined means to, to put like, that would be like if somebody's trying to tell me something and I lower my ear down and, I, and I, I, try, I, I want to hear what they have to say. I'm inclining my ear into them. Woo, that's what a holy, righteous God does for us. <laughs> oh, that, don't that make you feel worthless? <laughs> it does me that a holy, righteous God would incline his ear into me. But then not only that, it goes on and says, and hear my cry. And hear my cry. We go on to verse 2. I still love verse 2 and 3, but it's just not my emphasis anymore. But it says, he brought me up also out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock. I like this last part, though. And established my goings. See, see, some people think, well, I'm saved now, and I got out of that mess, and I'm not going to hell. Uh, the Lord's pulled me out. He set me here. And now I can go live any way I want. No, no. Oh, no, he saved us. He's reached out. He's got dirty. He's pulled us out. But guess what? He's got a plan. He's established our going. 
He's got something that you can accomplish for God that I can't accomplish for God. He's got somebody that you can witness to and see them come to church and see them saved that if I talked to them, they wouldn't even talk twice to me. Same thing, I believe there's people that I can relate to and talk to that maybe you can. But the Lord has a purpose. The Lord has a plan. A holy, righteous God in kind of gives, I can't get past that, amen. But, you know, he, you know it's going to take time and money to invest in people. It just is. Everything takes money. I mean, I think I spend money just rolling out of bed in the morning, amen. But, I mean, you, you know, you take time, money. I mean, you ain't even got to leave the house to shop anymore, I mean. I could be broke and not even get to go anywhere, amen. But, you know, so the, the time and money. It's going to take time and money to reach people. It just is. But, you know, somebody reached out to us. And you know what? If you think about it, somebody reached out to that person that reached out to you. So the least we can do is reach out to somebody else. I'll be honest. I'm worried for the people that are my age. Why? I don't see a big group of them here. I don't see a big group of the 35 to 40-year-olds here. Or maybe the 30 to 35-year-old. My generation. I worry about them. I feel like they just want to check out. They don't realize somebody invested in you. Somebody took time with you. Somebody prayed for you. Somebody weeped that night for you because they wanted you to live for God. They wanted you to be what God wanted you to be. Yeah, but you know what? I, I thought about this. Don't be discouraged. Those that you, when you help out that, when you have to help that person through rough times, don't be discouraged. If they're coming to church and things seem to be going good, and at some point the devil gets in. Because, by the way, the enemy is real. The world, the flesh, the devil, the enemies are real. So don't get discouraged if that person begins to go through rough times. I, I thought of this verse, Psalm 78, verse number 9. It says this, says, The children of Ephraim, being armed and carrying bows, turned back in the day of battle. Now, I know my thinking's a little off from some people, but this is what I get out of that verse, all right? I'm not giving nobody a, 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 a bow or a firearm unless they've been trained. Amen? I'm not giving you anything you can hurt me with unless you've been trained on how to use it. So what that tells me is no doubt somebody took time to train them. Somebody took time to teach the, the children of Ephraim how to be armed and how to carry their bows and how to be prepared for the battle and how to get into the fight. But don't you think whoever invested in them was disappointed when it said they turned back in the day of battle? Yeah, and, and I've been there where you're like, man, this guy's come a long way. The Lord saved him. He's getting in church. He got baptized. He's, he's starting to tell other people. And then five months later, he like washes out. And you go back to him and it's like, you see, he's right there. He turned back in the day of battle. But don't get discouraged. Keep going after him. Go back to him. Keep praying for them. Don't give up because you know what? Somebody never gave up on you. And if you could get one to give up on people, I'd have been the first one they'd have gave up on. But you know what? They still love me. They still prayed for me. That youth pastor that showed up that day didn't know me from Adam. But you know what? He, he did something that changed my life. I know God changed my life, but he used the man to do it. If that man wouldn't have been there, that wouldn't have happened. But you know why they turn back? If you read on, you find several reasons. But the main one I see is verse 11. They forgot his works. You know, they, they, you'll turn back when you forget how good God's been to you. When you forget where he's brought you from. When you forget that you didn't get here on your own. You didn't get here just because on your own that you were so smart. No, God helped you. 
God was with you. God was with me. And then lastly, let me say this. That same fire that burned in those, those spiritual leaders, those preachers, those evangelists, the, the, those people that loved you, that same fire that burned in them, it can burn in us. It can burn in us. And we know where we're going, Jeremiah chapter 20, amen. Jeremiah, that 20th chapter, it says, verse 7 of Jeremiah 20, it says, Thou hast deceived me, and I was deceived. Thou art stronger than I, and has prevailed. He says, I am in derision daily. That word derision means mocked. It means to be made a laughing stock of. Everyone mocketh me. For since I spake, I cried out. I cried violence and spoil because the word of the Lord was made a reproach unto me in a derision daily. And they say, God, they laugh at me. They make fun of me, Lord. I, I, I can't go any farther. Verse 9 says, then I said, I want not make mention of him, nor speak any more in his name. <laughs> but I love that next part. But his word was in mine heart. As a burning fire shut up in my bones, and I was weary with forbearing, and I could not stay. And I could not stay. In other words, when I, when I remembered this word, when I remembered how good the Lord been to me, I can't quit, Lord. I can't back up now. I got to keep going forward. I got to keep serving you, Lord. I got to keep witnessing. I got to keep praying. I got to keep walking this path because, God, you've been so good. I'm not going back now. I may not be uh, all that I ought to be, but thank God I'm not what I used to be. Amen. He's, he's changed my life. He's worked in my life. He's leaving us a fire. Amen. Lord, let that fire burn in our hearts. I'll take you to one last passage, amen, and I'm done. But 2 Timothy chapter number 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4, Lord, let us preach with your power. See, if the Holy Spirit don't show up here tonight, what I'm doing is in vain. It's useless if we don't have his power. If we don't have his hand. If we don't have him in on it. Lord, let us preach with your power. 2 Timothy 4, 2. It says, preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Brother Roloff said if they close the season, reopen it. Amen. But we preach the word. Preach the word. Uh, not only that, but preach the whole counsel of God. Preach it all. Preach, preach the whole book. Preach all that God's given to man. You know, don't stray away from the truth. Verse 3, it says, for the time will come when they shall not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust shall they heap on themselves teachers, having its in ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. But don't stray away, my friends. Stand strong. Stand strong for this truth because this truth ain't changing. No matter what happens in our circumstances, in this world around us, I can promise you this. The Word of God stands firm. It stands unchanged. It says, make full proof of thy ministry. Verse 5, but watch thou in all things. Endure afflictions. Do the work of the evangelist. Make full proof of thy ministry. In other words, be an example. 1 Timothy 4.12 says, be an example of the believers. Be an example. Somebody's watching you. You know what? That friend or, or that person at work that you barely talk to, you might be the only Bible they ever read. You might be the only example of Christianity that they ever see. Whew, that's a sobering thought, amen. But we got to be an example. And then lastly there, I don't know about you, but just like these men that gone on before me, just like these men that changed my life, that showed me the way to go, showed me the way to God, 
You know what they did? They finished well. And I want to finish well. I want to finish well. It, don't, it, does, you know, it doesn't matter how you start. I had a bad start. And there's probably a billion people in this room that can say they had a bad start. But what matters is how you finish. How you finish. And you know where we're going. The Apostle Paul there. I've done turn the page. For verse 7, it says, I fought a good fight. I finished my course. And I've kept the faith. So I hope tonight, hopefully something that the Holy Spirit spoke to you about tonight. Not necessarily anything that I've said. But, but what dwelt in them. What dwelt in the, I would say, old men of God with the respectful. Now, I mean that word old, respectfully. But, but, they, but they had something. And guess what? We can have the same thing. What dwelt in them is in thee also. We have the same Jesus. We got the same Bible. We, got the, we can give the same investment and the same effort that they gave to us, and we should. And you know what? They were on fire. Guess what? The same fire can burn in us, and we can finish well. So the same God, same Savior, same Holy Spirit living in us, he has not changed. He dwelt in them, and I am persuaded that in thee also. I, those words have been ringing in my heart, that in thee also. Yeah, it's in the also. Let's pray, and I'll be done. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this day.